Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hi, hi. So exciting news. We're getting some, what do we call it? Advertising, not, right? Not products. Not products. <laughs> uh, but we are going to get some advertising. And in order to help us out, it would be awesome if you could click the link uh, in the description of this episode. Fill out a little survey so we know what we so we know what you want, uh, so the advertisements uh, can actually be worthwhile and not drive you completely insane. And the information is confidential. We don't take emails or names or anything. You're not going to get on any kind of weird list or anything like that. Yep. It just helps us out. Awesome. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves and enjoy this episode. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Okay, unfortunately, before today's episode starts, All right. and we learned this on the last side stories, is that I, I honestly must warm up before doing the Australian accent. Oh, yeah, don't offend those people. Show. They'll like, kill us. Let me just, let me try it. Okay. Uh, honestly, I'm trying to do this, right? Dinosaur. Okay, better. Butter. That's good. Better or butter? Butter better. I like my butter better than yous. <laughs> Why are these the sentences that you're practicing with? Dino rider. Don't get between a dino and his rider. Don't get between <laughs> a dino and his rider. That rider. nailed it. Roy- you got oh. it. Welcome to the last no, podcast. I- Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. Marcus Parks is here. Uh, hello, hello. And I would say Henry's here, but I don't remember Henry being Australian. So I don't Henry know who Zabrowski. this guy is. Zabrowski. <laughs> I'm going to try, honestly, because we have done Australian content before. Yes. Hashtag Australian content. I, I'm sorry that we're... I'm going to be doing this, but honestly, I am. I am really. I am trying yeah, to I do know. a better accent this time. I want it to be vaguely accurate as much as I physically can. But yeah. what I will say is, when you look up how to do the Australian accent, mm-hmm. they all say the same thing. It's very odd. It is very hard. <laughs> yes, I've heard. That. It's kind of got a Bostonian vibe to it, doesn't Dad. it? Yeah, it's Dad. like. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, today's episode. Why are we talking about Australia? Is that what you're asking yourself? Well, because that's where we're going today. <laughs> we're going good. to a place, Aberdeen. Oh. We're going to be talking about this gal, Catherine Knight. And I gotta say, I saw Marcus researching on the plane. Woo! Uh-huh. She's a little wild. <laughs> Wait a second. This is your reaction from watching Marcus yeah, I was work watch- on the plane. I was watching. I don't even know what. And then we I was. Just, we happened at- to be sitting next to each. Yeah. Other and I was working and you weren't. Yes, and I, I kept on looking over and be like, huh. <laughs> 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 but I'd like to think I helped you flush out some of the finer points. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Catherine Knight's a real pip. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, that's a good term for her, pip. So in Aberdeen, Australia, on Leap Day in the year 2000, 49-year-old Catherine Knight murdered her common-law husband, John Price. Ooh. Pricey. Pricey. She then skinned him, butchered him, cooked his rump, and plated it on two dishes with a side of veggies. And they all say the same thing. The cops all say, it's very funny how the uh, Australian cops fall into the same kind of patterns that like U.S. police fall into, where they all kind of stick on a phrase, Mm -hmm. and each one of them said, just like grandmam used to make. Like they all say the same, which is like, really? Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a problem with your family. That doesn't sound very good. The word that they all used to describe the crime scene was bizarre. 
It was so bizarre. Bizarre. It's bizarre. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Now, when yeah. you say rump, now were we talking both cheeks? We're and talking. What we, and where do you put the where do you put the vegetables you're, then? You're, <laughs> is it? We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Yeah. I mean, part 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 two is depth. I mean, we're going to get into the entire murder in great detail. Okay. Now, and speaking of the cops, like a lot of the cops who witnessed the crime scene ruined men like a lot of them could not continue being police officers really but on the other hand other cops said the worst thing about seeing it was that they weren't able to eat meat for like three months Ooh. three whole months <laughs> and, and australian that's like meatless months and australian is like nine u.s years i believe and, it but the, it's the way they said it because you remember it was that one documentary where it was like playing the really sad music he's like not tell you what i was never saying this again never the same I couldn't eat beef for three whole months. Wow. <laughs> it's like you touched a human skin curtain. Oh, no. All right. Well, our, our sympathies to the victim, of course. Of course. My goodness. And, Horrible demise. And it's the thing about Catherine Knight. It's not like her crime came out of nowhere. As far as everyday, mundane, interpersonal evil goes, Catherine Knight is among the worst people we've ever covered. Hmm. She's a fucking animal. Really? She is a, honestly, she is an uncontainable, truly a Tasmanian devil. I know Tasmania is not necessarily there, but it's close as neighbors. I don't know. Yeah. And hmm. Catherine Knight, uncontrollable force, unstoppable movement. I We talked on Side Stories this week about Kuklinski versus Panzerim, who would win. I actually think a fairer fight would be Catherine Knight versus Panzerim. Really? <laughs> yeah. Her uh, The psychiatrist who examined her uh, said that she had a primitive consciousness. Hey, all right. <laughs> 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 yeah, dude. You're doing guitar licks to the term primitive consciousness? Yeah, dude. Yeah, primitive man. Consciousness. <laughs> All right. Unstoppable does, force, like Nia Jax. It does sort of sound like a prog rock album to, uh, you remember, um, Altered States. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Uh, Catherine Knight, she was vengeful, vindictive, violent, and above all, extremely skilled with a knife hmm. due to her years as an assembly line worker in numerous slaughterhouses all over southeastern Australia. Abattoirs. Abattoirs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or meatworks. Okay. <laughs> you've you've said the word assembly line, so now I have to make my, my mandatory Lucille Ball <laughs> joke where they're eating the chocolate, but imagine if she was working at a, at a meat shop and they were just down in a bunch of random giblets and things. <laughs> giblets and whatnot then it's not so funny then that well, whole scene isn't so funny and i've referenced that scene maybe a hundred times it's mostly a lucille ball uh covered in grime right uh, uh bile from inside of the guts and in the marrow room or the awful room oh. which we'll also hear about if her I scraping with this long like like crooked like i'm just gonna call it a scraper a scraper <laughs> a scraper and yeah. just covered in fucking just dank like that almost <laughs> black gut blood and everyone just laughing and then like a you know a, a laugh track over it yeah absolutely <laughs> the marrow room i think henry might like that room I might be like might. the uh the schnozberry we'll wall in willy wonka <laughs> like <"Will you> stop <laughs> licking the floor <laughs> sir uh, mm. Catherine Knight was, I mean, she wasn't just a murderer. She was also oh. a terrible person. Like, she's the type of, she's the person who makes your life a living hell at work over some imagined slight. Okay. Like, she's the person who swerves to hit dogs and cats 
while she's driving and then laughs about it, which numerous people said she did on a regular basis. Oh, my god. I'll goodness. tell you what, if I ever met Garfield, he'd call me the Grim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I had a friend who tried to do that. I had a friend who tried to do that with squirrels uh, uh. growing up, and I said, no more of that activity. Let the squirrels live. Uh, Catherine's temper was legendary, and with that anger came a face that would get as red as a tomato now doctors could never figure out why scientifically but as Catherine got older her face became permanently red i'm gonna give two i'm gonna give maybe two shots in the dark number one she is in the blistering australian sun 24 7 uh, working at the meat works uh, either outside in the boil area or inside <laughs> where they, well, I don't know where it is. I she don't know was the in the awful are. room, not yes, the awful which, yard. Which yes, it's true. Well, you know, she was still outside drinking somewhere, I would and also the so. booze. Yeah. I think the booze does sort of give a red tint because I notice it on me and Kessel. Oh yeah. As we are getting older, we are becoming more fuchsia. No, absolutely. I'm about to. I'm about to start strategizing war policy. Like that's how I feel. My face. I'm getting a real Henry Kissinger vibe going right now. Maybe I should stop, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. Well, interestingly, Catherine Knight didn't start drinking until her 40s. Really? Before that, cool. she was sober. Completely and totally sober. Crazy. Maybe a drink here or there. So she's the Doug Benson of uh, alcoholic alcoholism in Australia? All right. Uh, she was said to be in the lower region of average intelligence, never able to even spell her own name. Because of this, because she was in that lower region, she couldn't actually hold a regular conversation, and she was really only able to communicate with anger and sex. And she used that sex to entrap every man she ever caught, as that was pretty much the first thing all of them mentioned when they asked why they stayed with her as long as they did. All right. All of them, that is... Except John Price, as Pricey ain't saying shit anymore. Yeah, dude. Especially once you get turned into furniture, it's That's... very, very difficult to speak. Uh, <laughs> get... I can imagine her just sitting in school, being like, "All right, here we go. Uh, no, you must easy. It's easy. Seven points here. All right. K isn't cunt. A isn't." <laughs> well, that's not even how you spell that word that you said. That's inappropriate. Oh. You can't even get that right, Catherine. That wasn't me saying the letter R. That was me th making a thinking noise. All right. Okay, so this guy. Now, she didn't make him into furniture, though. This isn't some, some kind of Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. Was, uh, but I mean, technically, she made him into a curtain, but we'll get into that on part two. Kind of Ed Gein vibes here, too. A little My bit. Goodness, she really takes them. She wraps up a, a bunch of crazy people. Now, this is not just the story of a murder and not just the story of a serial abuser. Although she was definitely both both of those things, hmm. but it's also the story of the insane neighbor, the town menace, the psychotic coworker we've all had whose shifts we dread sharing. This is the story of the town bully. And speaking of which, like after Catherine was arrested, everybody in Aberdeen not only hoped that she'd be found guilty, but they were terrified of the prospect of her ever returning to town. And these were hardened Aussies. These are not necessarily outback people, but they're all miners and slaughterhouse workers, and they are 
terrified of this woman. Interesting. They're fully engorged Australian men. <laughs> right. So they didn't celebrate uh, quite yet like at the uh, like when Problem Child got adopted and <laughs> no. all the nuns went crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. This is actually what one of the townsfolk told the lead officer during the lead up to the trial. We're two robbers all, Bobby, and you're playing the fifth shot of the Davis Cop and you've got to win it for us, you know. You've got to win it, Farris. <laughs> okay, I got that. The Davis Cup, we're talking soccer. The man used an analogy. We have someone of average intelligence I think here. the Davis Cup is uh, tennis. I don't know. I don't and know. Is, and Does what it does matter? two rubbers does all ma- mean? What's that? Two rubbers all. We're two rubbers all, Bobby. Is the guy's name actually Bobby? I, I don't know. No, Bobby's just a nickname for cop. It's all nicknames. <laughs> oh, Everything in Australian slang, which we're going to get into. But remember, Catherine Knight was also the end of this family line this is a long family of bullies and psychopaths that Mm. have reigned over Aberdeen we're going to get into this whole story but a part of this is like it's like baked into the town it's fucking sea bass (laughs) sea bass (laughs) but before we get into the life of abattoir Annie let's acknowledge our main source Bloodstain by Peter Laylor. This is a highly recommended book. It's one of those rare true crime books that are both terrifying and fun, plus it's chock full of Australian slang. But I would say, you said it's not just chock full of Australian slang, it's Ted's deep of w- wicked lollies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds fun. So without further ado, let's get into the life of Catherine Knight, starting with her hometown of Aberdeen, Australia. All right. All right, let's get there. <laughs> hop, hop, Uh-oh. hop, hop. All righty then. All righty then. <laughs> Giant bugs. That's Uh-oh. the sound of it. There was boomerang. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah, I love it here in Australia. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. So Aberdeen is a town of about 2,000 people, about three hours north of Sydney. It was a boom town of sorts, supported by two industries over the last 120 years it's been in existence. This is a town of mining and meat. Ooh. Mm. In 1891, the Australian Meat Cutting and Freezing Company opened its doors, and Aberdeen became a slaughterhouse town. Hey. Congrats. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> over a third of the people in its population worked at the meatworks, as the Australians call it, and at its peak, the slaughterhouse employed over 600 people. You know, everyone wants to malign the slaughterhouse workers, but we're all eating the meat. Thank you for your service. <laughs> if you work in a slaughterhouse, I appreciate what you do. It's not easy. It's got to really torment the mind. I don't remotely uh, disvalue the slaughterhouse worker. I think it's very difficult work, and I think you. Have, I do think you have to be a particular type of person yeah. to want to do it, because nowadays we have hipster butchers. Like yeah, you right. go like the meat hook in in Williamsburg that's when you right. go there. Like that's like a nice like these are like classy butchers is not the Great. same. They don't have an awful room because now awful <laughs> yes. can be priced very highly in people like me will enjoy it. But also, the Australian Meat Cutting and Freezing Company, at one time, they said they, they do believe that 80% of the McDonald's patties that were served during uh, that time period while Catherine Knight was working there eventually would go to go into the mouths of the Australian people. Please, Henry, when you're in Australia, McDonald's is called Maccas. Yep. What is going on here? <laughs> Cultural differences. <laughs> That's incredible. All right. The meatworks in Aberdeen were so successful that the company started building barracks for their employees. 
One strip of houses in particular was reserved for newlyweds. Okay. That strip was known as Honeymoon Lane. Oh, you can just, oh, I can just imagine it. How nice that must be to be in the honeymoon barracks of the meatworks. Yeah. That does sound kind of romantic. Uh, nice, nice nights by the fire. Just the smelling the odors of death. Mm, yes. Because you know it's on the same ground. Sure. Because you got to be able to walk to work. Oh, absolutely. I like making fuck out here because not only you get my fucking noises, you also get all the sounds of the bone grinding from next door. Oh. And nothing makes me more hard and horsey than the sounds of bone grinding while I'm punishing my wife. Well, all right. So I think you're going to like this new house here. Uh, this, they actually call this Honeymoon Lane. Give it to me, Houston. Yeah, Give yeah. it to me. I think you're going to really... Punch myself in the face! Okay. <laughs> you went Scottish there for a second. I know, I'm trying. I'm, all right, just remember, just go. <laughs> well, Honeymoon Lane was where Catherine Knight would spend part of her childhood. Oh, See, uh, even though Honeymoon Lane sounds nice... It doesn't. <laughs> it would if it wasn't next to a meat-killing uh, factory, or like, animal-killing factory. Well, even though it technically sounds nice, the low-skill, transient nature of slaughterhouse work meant that this place was chock full of criminals sure now, not all the meat workers were bad people of no. course but it definitely attracted whole families of mischief makers and one of the most notorious in aberdeen was the knight family oh okay. this whole fucking motley crew of but what is it with Australian crime and like the family nature of it? Yeah, like when you read about the Snowden murders mm. or like the 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 uh, what was the movie? I once like Animal Farm. It was Animal for the like did the same. It was based off another real Australian family where they all just kind of bound together and they're all like like backwoods Adams family it's that like are also Firefly mixed family. with the Firefly family. Yeah. yeah. Now, these people, the knights, they weren't active criminals per se, but they were definitely what one would refer to in Australia as a bunch of legless fair dinkum bogans. Oh, yep. don't call them that. <laughs> Woo! Do not say that. Honestly, I, I do feel like there's a couple of choice sentences you have put in here, Marcus, that will put a fucking fat wah on your head when you go to Australia. Check out these fair dinkum bogans down the street. Hey, buddy, we're going to go to Australia one of these days. Like, yeah. I am going to get absolutely legless, sir. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it means, but I... I Sounds like you want to have legs. I don't know. Do they <laughs> chop them off? I'm not sure. No, that, that means that they were they were drunk, true rednecks. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, in fact, you know, they're they were pretty much like they weren't. I wouldn't say criminals. They were mischief makers. Because in Catherine is really the only one of them who has a serious criminal record. And even then, she was never actually charged with anything serious until that fateful leap day in the year 2000. Oh, okay. let's just she let's just say she made up for all the crimeless years. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that it's not to say she wasn't committing serious crimes from the time she was about 15. I'm only saying she was never charged. Okay, so she's not like a Maserati. She didn't go from zero. Zero to skinning someone alive in like no seconds. No one. No. But Kissel, uh, seriously, what do we learn about this kind of shit? Is that that's that's never the case. No, right. right. With Catherine Knight, it's like while it's it's a 
a crime that's only known for its most horrific ends in the United States and actually not even very well known in the United States. Catherine Knight has like a whole that's why we're doing this from the, the from nuts to soup. Soup to nuts. Yeah. Because a part of this is to see how that nutty soup was made <laughs> back in her childhood. <laughs> right, I don't want to ever think of that again. Oh, nutty soups. Nutty, nutty I don't want to think about nutty soup. <laughs> okay, oh. so let's let's get the speed the speed the speedometer up here. Yeah, this woman, she was a lifelong purveyor of violence, both domestic and otherwise, and she should have gone to jail numerous times hmm. for everything ranging from assault with a deadly weapon to child endangerment bordering on attempted murder. Hmm. And just like it was with Kuklinski and a ton of these other people, Catherine's origin is a combination of nature and nurture. Mm. She said that she could sum up her upbringing in two words, sad and bad. Hey, Marcus, correct you. I'll correct you. Sad and bad. Actually, I will correct you. Sid and bid. Sid and Bit. <laughs> Will it rise? It's not good. It's, I'll tell you the, what. It, either way, it's not good. Because the yeah. A becomes an E. It's like 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 that hat. I love that hat. It's I love that hit. I love that hit. <laughs> All right. Well, this is for a Sitting different bit. offshoot show where we try to teach people accents. Um. So it's it. So she she described her childhood in two words, six letters. Not easy to do. Uh-huh. Um. But that just shows you kind of her intelligence. Yeah. Sad and bad. Sad and bad. I now, would say though, but I'm we're, we did make a little bit of a comment on her intelligence. But there's many people, including uh, several investigators, on her case. Eventually, like she had cunning. Yes. That was what was different. This is a part of it. She had an instinctual reaction to be to figure out how to be the most nihilistic slash vengeful like she could both be uh ultra reactionary well she'll do something in a moment and like do an impulse like stab you in the face or she'll sit and she'll plan her comeback she'll plan her vengeance for many many months which is the true skill of the lady criminal that's the only way i'll tell the difference is that they really know how to plan and wait (laughs) yeah we don't really plan too far ahead but the lady criminal can really set out like a two-year plan and really follow through okay execute yeah well this is what catherine knight's half-brother said about their childhood this is a direct quote if you dig deep enough as it is it's grubby as all shite our family is grubby as shite, mate. The family is rotten to the car. It's said, rotten the f- to the car like an apple. <laughs> the family is rotten to the core. Rotten it's to rotten the to core. the car. <laughs> Interesting. Now, when it's you rotten say- to the car. <laughs> Half brother. When you say half brother, now missing the legs, arms, or anything like that. Was he a full person? Yes. I don't know what these people look like. <laughs> yes, that's the that's the thing in Australia is that most Australians don't have legs. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, that's why the sled industry is so big there. Uh, um, and and having other men pull you on the sled is a common courtesy. You leave the. It's called leaving your ropes out because when you go to a store, you leave your ropes out, and you hopefully some guy is going to come walking away, like one of the legless guys. The, one of the leg full guys in the community. <laughs> I get sled. it. I think we're really nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter Laylor points out in Bloodstain that the Knights were legend in Aberdeen Ooh. long before Catherine was even born. And not legendary in a good way. Mm. They were violent rodeo people, often seen chuckers down the boozers, <laughs> as the Australians say. Yeah, it just means drinking a lot, right? <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. <laughs> Chuckers down the boozers. Chuckers down the boozers. Chuckers down the boozers. Yeah. All right. So Ken Knight, Catherine's father, was actually Catherine's mother's second husband. Okay. She'd had 
four boys in 10 years with her first husband, Jack Rugen, who ran the Slaughterhouse Pig Farm. Ooh. Yeah, I run this farm, and I'll tell you what, I take a look at that Winnie the Pooh, and the first thing I think of is I'd like to see the guts. <laughs> All right, full of honey. <laughs> I bet you Winnie the Pooh honestly would taste incredible if you really think about honey bacon. Oh, I can't even think about this. If I was Christopher, need, they need to redo that Christopher Robbins movie, make it in Australia, give him a knife, just man eat Winnie the Pooh. Can you imagine if we raised Winnie the Poohs the way we raise cows? And there's a slaughterhouse that's only dedicated to slaughtering a bunch oh, of Winnie the Poohs. <laughs> oh, bother them coming through all just filled with honey being like, don't worry, no, there's mischief in here. And he's like, oh, that sounds nice. I can't do a Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Them just like stabbing him in the base of his brain. And he's just like, oh, that fucking cheeser and shits himself. Oh, oh man. And then Eeyore's like, they never eat me. <laughs> I don't know what. We, I don't know what. No, Eeyore I imagine like. Eeyore, Eeyore just takes the knife himself, and he's like, "You want to see? Oh, you think that I'm not the Elliot Smith of this fucking group? <laughs> step, 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 step. I love the Eeyore. I, Eeyore was always my favorite. Yeah. No one liked Eeyore, but I he like, was dead on. I like Eeyore just fine. All right, he's fine. He's fun. Well, Jack Rugen died in 1957, either of alcoholism or from his fondness of Bex powders. What the hell is that? They're like It's like a speedy Australian version of aspirin uh, that eventually uh, they took the speedy ingredient out because it was causing cancer and liver failure all across yeah. the country. Okay. They also want to tell us what to do with our bodies all the time. <laughs> and I would say it was like when they took all the good stuff out of Sudafed. Yeah. Which is really sad. So by the time Barbara Knight was done having kids with Ken, she'd popped out eight, with the last five coming at the rate of one a year, Ooh. including Catherine and her twin sister, Joy, who thankfully missed the evil gene that Catherine was afflicted with. Okay. Joy had a lot Joy had a lot of anger and they would fight pretty brutally but it just seems like that was just kind of how they were raised. They would like punch each other in the face and shit, but I think that was just weird sibling yeah, fight. that's just small yeah. town fun. Yeah, they were they were definitely a family that would like full on beat the shit out of each other at, at any point. Okay. Now, the reason why Barbara Knight had so many kids was because of her husband's violent and insatiable need for sex, which was on full display for all of the kids to see, including Catherine. Mm. Her father would chase her mother around the house for sex, and when he caught her, he'd beat her into submission. All of this happened in full view of the kids. This was a loveless, terrifying, violent, sexually abusive home. I don't understand certain things like this. The, like, the idea of that that kind of... It seems to be a, a definitely people that are, like, living this kind of hardcore lifestyle, like, working in the meat factory. It's long, long hours. People are, like, I, I don't know why um, the having sex in front of your kids is a thing. It's a... Uh, I would say it's... No, I wouldn't say necessarily it's a small town thing, but, you know, I, I heard tell... I don't hear it happen a lot in, I, like, I, on I, a, in a penthouse <laughs> in 34th Street uh, on 5th <laughs> Avenue. Well, I don't know what's going I don't on know, there. But I, I'll, I, I heard tell of shit like this when I was growing up. All right. Like, so we've got a small small town activity going on here. I wouldn't good. call it a small town activity. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I'm just trying to move on. This is this is sad. We're allowed Not, to have conversations about this. I understand yes. what's going on here. Catherine Knight, poor gal Joy. You know, they didn't mm -hmm. have a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> you know, not, not, not a lot of cinemas to go to. No, no. 
Well, Catherine said that she herself was molested by her older half-brothers, but this claim is up for debate now by the psychiatrist that examined Catherine when she was older. Now, we're not saying she was lying, as there is some behavioral evidence to support her claims, but... Catherine wielded her story like a sword, using it as an excuse for all of the abusive behavior she inflicted on others. Hmm. And that's if she even admitted that she committed the abuse. And if she did admit it, it was never actually her fault anyway. And if it was her fault, then they deserved it. Okay. Because Catherine Knight is yet another textbook narcissist, as per my half-assed quoting of the popular narcissist prayer meme. Oh. And when Catherine Knight reached adolescence, that's when the borderline personality disorder kicked in. It seems to really kick in about this time all the time, right? Is it a sort lot of, of like, well, schiz- cause th- like that kind of thing? Because I know like schizophrenia, certain disorders pop up like later. Like yeah. you can hit like 25 and all of a sudden you're talking to Smurfs and you're going to go kill Moby. And all of a sudden it's like, why is this happening? And no. then it just kind of happens within like three months. Yeah, it was not a pleasant surprise when bipolar started up when I was 22. That wasn't fun no. at all. Yeah. No. No. It, 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 no. That's about when it, it starts around like, you know, between 15 and 25. That's usually when these uh, personality disorders start up. So that's really nice and reassuring. Can't trust your brain until you're 30. <laughs> and then, and then you can't know. trust your brain because of all the shit that you've done up to being your th- until 30. Right, all the I booze, mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then it just gets worse as you get older. So seek medical attention if you feel like you need it. Yeah, of course. And, you know, of and of course, we're, of course, not saying that all people with borderline personality disorder are capable of these kinds of crimes. Mm-mm. And in fact, a psychiatrist named Dr. Delaforce made pains to make this very point in Catherine's trial. He said that what she did on the night in question was part of her personality, her nature itself. But it is not a feature of borderline personality disorder. It is not even slightly connected. Right. The reason why we bring it up, though, is because Catherine's attorney tried blaming her crimes on borderline personality disorder Mm. as well as PTSD from her childhood. Okay. But again... People don't kill and skin their romantic partners because they're borderline or have PTSD. They do it because it's in that person's specific nature. Yes. It's like the it's it's like the most extreme version of like uh, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. So she went a little Casey Anthony with the trial. Mm. A little woe is me. Yeah, okay. I mean, she went woe is me her entire fucking life. Okay. There's a lot of parallels for me, besides, I mean, not the money, but there's a lot of parallels to O.J. Simpson for me in her story, where it's like she has this long, long, I mean, like, this is the story of an abusive woman. Yeah. Who it's like, mm. she, she, this violence was, like, born in. I don't think her fucking childhood helped at all. No. Nope. I don't think that that made her, I don't think that that, that helped her, mm-hmm. uh, because there are people that uh, have a personality disorder, but because you're raised in a loving environment, you're, like, totally good to go, like, you're totally fine, or something like somebody like her she then goes up to the trial and she's very resistant to the trial we'll, we'll get to it but then it the, becomes a gigantic media circus although when OJ was like you know throwing the pig skin it was a football and I think they were actually throwing pig skins like yes. really weird human flesh frisbees it's a different time well Catherine she had plenty of nurture to go along with her nature she left school at 15 unable oh. to read or write but mm. that was pretty much par for the course in Aberdeen if you were on the fast track to the meatworks Right. If you were on the fast track to the meatworks. Okay, all right. <laughs> a lot of the kids just marked time in the classroom until they were old enough to hold a knife. And working at the slaughterhouse was actually Catherine's dream because really? working at the meatworks was the family business. Hey, okay. This is what she said. 
I always wanted to follow in my father's footsteps, scraping the congealed blood out of them, <laughs> the marrow out of their body. I love doing all that. And mate, it's kind of like I, I go sit next to my mate at lunch, and I say, "Wait a second, you still a you spill a bowl of soup?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, my soup's in here in my bowl." <laughs> like, oh well, I guess my pussy must be salivating. <laughs> Yeah, she's yeah, getting... yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going yeah. on. So this is really this is her dream gig. She Dude. she accomplished her main goal in life. Dude, these people, the Knight family, they're pretty <laughs> much the Sawyers from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I see. And okay, Catherine Knight, she is Lady Leatherface. Oh, this is the reboot that needs to be made. <laughs> I could, see, I would yeah. see that. Now, Catherine failed her first audition at the Meatworks. What? Yeah. How did she fail? Uh, they didn't because exactly. she kept sucking on the ears and shit. Yeah, I mean, how do you fail this? She's, she seems so adamant about getting the job. I don't know, but she failed her first. I don't know. Maybe she just choked under pressure. But once she was deemed good enough, Catherine got a job bl- scraping blood and marrow from the carcasses in what they called the Earthel Room. Okay. And I will say, man, and it was right next door to the really awful room, <laughs> which you did not want to go into. No, absolutely yeah. not. And it's awful spelled O-F-F-A-L. Not, it's right. not like the awful room. It's the awful room. And then on the- And I'll on- tell you what. There, and also, again, another awful joke. There's nothing awful about awful. It's absolutely quite delicious, especially <laughs> if, if it's prepared well. And the idea of these meats being dignified or, or, or signified as lower class meats is the saddest part. So now in the gourmet community, we can elevate them so everyone can see the pleasures of gut meat. No, you just, they branded your disgusting love of disgusting cuisine as fancy. But it's still disgusting. Yeah, I think just the farmers figured out a way to sell you something for $10 that they used to sell to gas stations for 10 cents. Thank you. <laughs> you know how Notre Dame, the Notre Dame football team, they have a little sign above their door that says, play like a champion today. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling the awful room, it just has a little placard that says, someone's got to do it. And then they slap that and then they run in there and they're like, I'm going to take out all the marrow and I'm going to be the best marrow digger there is. That was And her. then they do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Catherine worked her way up the ranks from the Earthel Room until finally she became a boner. And finally the- became a boner. Uh, <laughs> woo! This is a woo. We are having fun. We are having so much fun. And with that, she got her very own set of knives. Oh. And she loved those knives like her children. Okay. And I'll name you Knifey One. And I'll name you Knifey Two. And I'll name you Kate Jr. Oh. And I'll name you Knife. <laughs> well, she got one name in there. That's good. <laughs> Gina just loved the knives. She loved the environment as well. Sometimes oh. she'd just she'd wander through the slaughterhouse, just going and visiting whoever, just to kind of get a feel for the place. Her oh. favorite place besides the Earthel Room or the Boning Room was the Pig Room. She'd go to the Pig Room mm-hmm. just to watch the pigs die and to hang out with the old man who is in charge of slaughtering the pigs. And this is a quote from the old man. And this tells you what type of people that like Catherine Knight was like really into hanging out with. Okay. I enjoy doing it. I love doing the pigs. Watching them shake like shape. Freathing at the mouth and eyes. Rolling big in the sockets. 
I understand we all eat bacon. We all like pepperoni. <laughs> I just don't like the idea. They just really get a thrill out of it. That's that's the strange thing. I mean, I guess they'd need to. Otherwise, you'd have like a high turnover rate. You got to yeah. have a guy. That, you got to have the guy that loves the sledgehammer. Right. The guy that's right. like, you don't use that gun. That right. gun's no good. Well, that's the reason why she failed the first audition. And I honestly believe this. I, as a person, as if I were to run a slaughterhouse, I want to see that guy like, like big smile on his face, like maybe some like Michael Jackson's Thriller playing in the background. He's right. like doing little dances as he's stabbing the pigs because you know <laughs> we're gonna get really good content from this person. Hmm. Okay. And Catherine enjoyed every second of her time at the slaughterhouse, but watching the kills wasn't the only joy Catherine got from the job. That's also where she would meet her first husband, David Kellett, in 1974. All right. Now, Kellett was, like all of Catherine's serious relations, a good mate with a gut full of piss, as the Australians say. <laughs> yep. That is clear as day. I know exactly <laughs> what that is. Sounds like it could lead to an infection, but that's, that's just me. All right. Now, the two of them dated for a while, but one day, Catherine just told David during their lunch break that, hey, we're getting married. Okay. Because, see, Catherine, she was 18, and in Meatworks years... That meant she was supposed to already be married with a kid on the way. Wow. So Catherine was able to easily bully Kellett into marrying her. But that wasn't just because she was a skilled manipulator, which she was. It was also due to her size. Now, I couldn't find Catherine's exact dimensions. Like, I mean, she wasn't like China size or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But she was still big. And she would always purposely choose men who were much smaller than her. She's like Nia Jax, the <laughs> not, unstoppable not force. She's a great professional wrestler. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> though, she was uh, what I heard in documentary. She's six foot one, um, six Ooh. foot one, six foot one redhead with a tiny little man named David Kellett. And I got to say, man's living the dream. I don't think <laughs> yeah. he had to do a lot of manipulation. And I'll tell you one thing. This is this is someone who knows her experience. And it's also it's good. It's just like you love these these tall redhead women. You love them. You love them. Just know for a fact. They will kill you. They're going <laughs> oh, yes. to kill you. Absolutely. And I know this, and I'm excited about it. All right. And Catherine Knight's strength was known all over Aberdeen, and it was said that she had a man's hands that could take down someone with a single punch. Look no, I'm that. having one. <laughs> oh, I may, I may have a right one right there. Um, she's like that gal that Jerry Seinfeld turned down on that episode of Seinfeld because she had man hands. Man hands. That yeah, was man funny. hands. You know, that show, what was that show about? <laughs> that show? That show's about nothing. That's, it's a show about nothing. Oh, okay. And that's how you say it as a critic of it when you're really upset. It's a show about nothing. Right. But that's not to say that David Kellett wasn't into this relationship at least a little bit. See, Catherine, she liked to do guy stuff. She liked to shoot. She liked to hunt. She didn't drink, but she didn't care if he did. And most importantly, she liked to root as they say. Well, now what the hell is that? She sounds fun. She liked to root. She liked to fuck. Oh, yeah. I yeah. See. Okay. Sometimes, so David Kelly said sometimes up to like 10 times a day. <sighs> and even though this horny, term, horny woman, and you got to keep up with it. You got to keep up with it, or we find out what the consequences are. She's yeah. the Walt, or she's the Wilt Chamberlain of slaughterhouse employees. Yeah. And even though this term sounds like pretty awful and it's probably like a terrible insult in Australia, uh, Catherine Knight was what you called a root rat. It's interesting because it is the idea. The version of it, like in my mind, when I see like a rat with breasts, like really, really <laughs> horny, like there's a part of me that like gets it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you saw one of those old, like, if you saw an old bootleg Disney cartoon, like what Kuklinski was making in the factory mm. and him putting out, and those kind of things where it was like you could see it on an eight millimeter kind of like projection screen of like two like off ran Mickey Mouses having sex with each other. Sure. All right. Root Rat. I can get behind that. Yeah. I can't imagine the term is that bad, but I'm sure we'll hear about it if it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that compulsive sexual behavior. That's what caused Catherine's first bit of psychopathic violence with her and David. Mm. Now, the two got married in a proper Australian ceremony, which is to say they spent two full days drinking before they actually got married, or at least David did. So when the wedding night came, David Callett, he could only fuck three times. I mean, that's a lot. That's enough. That's enough. That's a lot. Thing was, Catherine knew that her parents... They'd rooted five times on their wedding night. Oh, oh my gosh. God. Well, how the hell does she know that? Don't go into yeah. details. Um, all right. So after David fell asleep, Catherine just sat there, just stewing about it. What the Mom guy? and dad did it five. Yeah, Mom and dad did it five. Well, that's Mom and not daddy did it he rooted five times. I can just imagine the pile of my father's neck. And I'm shivering mm. up to my ankles. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Mum and Dad did it five. Well, yeah, but that's Mom not how we get aroused. Mum and Dad. <laughs> Mum and Dad did it five. Can huh? we five times? <laughs> I'll make. I'll do. Can we do it seven times tomorrow? <laughs> well, before David knew it, he was awake, and Catherine was choking him out, yelling about how many times her parents had fucked on their wedding night. Well. <sighs> It would have been nice if you would have informed me about this before the marriage. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get out I of the situation. Because then I could have had some water. Now. I could have been drinking some water. I could have yes. been eating some celery. I don't know. Because I heard celery makes your splooges bigger. I I'm not sure. Know. Huh. Uh, and that's not true, Marcus. Don't be like, huh, no, it's not true. I hear Skittles work. No, doesn't happen. Okay. Well, after Catherine finally stopped, after he finally got her to stop yelling, me mom and dad did it five <laughs> times. Mim and Dad did it four times. Five times, five times, five times. And then, like, not even, like, it does sound, uh, in a way, it's kind of fun and cute, but it's not, I mean, it's no. not really assaulting him. It's not like a, she was straight up punching him in the face yeah, and choking him choking out. Choking him like, out. Like, yeah. it yeah. was scary as fuck. She was a foot taller than him. And yeah. again, it does sound erotic to a small man such as myself, but it's not. None of this is erotic. She no. was beating the shit out of her. Or, mm. Yes, she was. And... When she finally went to sleep, like David said, he could not help but think about the words that Catherine's mother had told him just hours before. You better watch out this one. She'll fucking kill you. (laughs) 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 And that's coming from the mother who's also terrifying. Yeah. That's like, she's also another, like, shifty, will steal your wallet as soon as stab you in the fucking asshole and then steal your wallet. (laughs) Wow, that's not good. Now, despite a rocky start, Kellett said the first couple years of marriage were pretty good. But after Catherine became pregnant with her first child, shit started to change pretty fast. And one night, Kellen had been out late at a darts tournament. And even though Catherine didn't mind him drinking, she would lose her mind if he was even a second late. Hmm. You know how this kind of goes, too. When yeah. you do the thing sort of being like, all right, Kate, I'm going to go out tonight. I'm going to just have some fun with the lads. And she's like, shall have a great time. Have a great time. <laughs> yeah. You mean that? You mean because I'm going to go out? I'm gonna, I might be a bit late. Is it all right? Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Mm-hmm. I bet you'll have a really good time with your lads, won't you? It's like, yeah, I will. So, 
so we're good, right? <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, this went a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> All right. She, I'll see you when I'm home. And she turns the kitchen timer to two hours and just listens to it click <laughs> every second. No, when he was a little bit late, she burned all his clothes and then fractured his skull with a frying pan when he got home. Well, you're going to want to not have frying pans around. <laughs> I don't know. Jeez. She's like left eye. Yeah. Left yeah, eye, dude. Lisa and Lopez not- was not messing around with Andre Risen. She, she burned down his house. She did yep. burn down his house. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yep. But a part of it, too, it's like, it's, again, it wasn't like fucking Bugs Bunny. No. She cracked his fucking skull open Jeez. with a cast iron skillet. Yeah. This isn't cute, you know? No, like, it's I mean, not. this is a, like full on horrific abuse. Like she cracked, she hit him with a, a oh. iron skillet. He managed to stumble across the street to his friend's place and when they mm. call the then they call the ambulance F full on skull fracture. Is this all yeah. happening on honeymoon lane or have they moved on? You know what? I think they'd moved on by this, but okay. I don't think she uh, moved into mom and dad's place. I think they moved somewhere yeah. else. All right. They're at Porky Pig's Valley. I don't know where they go, <laughs> but a part of it is that when he, when she hit him in the head too, cause then again, we're in this fun little world, right? They ask him what happened to you? And he's like, I, it's an accident. Like he has to do the kind of classic because the Australian kind of machismo, like there's something something about like the being like a quote-unquote strong man in Australia is like you cannot admit that your wife is almost beating you to death. Well, after their kid, Melissa, was born, the mood swings and anger flashes got even worse. Mm. And, be- and her behavior at the meatworks was getting creepier. Mm. She started going down to the pig man with more regularity. Now she was killing animals herself. Nick and arteries so she could watch them bleed out on the floor and she'd just sit there and she'd smile and watch. Well, this is before Netflix. There wasn't a <laughs> also, lot on Australian television. I don't think the pig man was also necessarily the most popular man at the <laughs> slaughterhouse. So it's like the two of them together and I think maybe it's almost being like, well, at least they're friends. At least they can go and <laughs> occupy each other where it's the two of them going like, you know, it's fun. Is that if you give it a little bit of a deeper nick, the blood will shoot out all over your shoes. And she's like, you're my best friend. This is, this is just fun. This is, this is wonderful. Oh, my. And another time, Catherine took a knife to one of the other girls who'd pissed her off in the awful room for whatever reason. Didn't oh. get fired, just took a knife to her. Well, because of Catherine's increasingly violent behavior, Kellett started stepping out. And eventually, he found a woman to run off with. But he knew that Catherine wasn't going to let him go as she was violently possessive. Uh-oh. So David gave notice to his supervisor at the meatworks and left in the middle of the night. It's important to remember, these guys, are, they're 19 yeah. when this is happening. So okay. this is very young. So right. Kellett didn't really know what he was signing himself up for. Like the way he kind of said it is like when they got married, it was definitely like the thing to do. Right. Um, she was really cute. Um, obviously taller than him, which is awesome for him. And he, and then he was not like all this kind of got blindsided like on him when the night that they got married, all of this behavior where she became truly, truly reckless. Right. And so eventually he became very afraid. And like, we're going to see is the pattern with the other men that Catherine Knights are going to be with. They have to like sneak around and figure out how to literally escape from her. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. She's very violent. Yeah. All she knew is that David had fucked off to Queensland so, not knowing how to handle it, <clears throat> Catherine threatened to slice up her daughter with her hard-won boning knives. Hmm. And for that, she was admitted to a psychiatric hospital only after allegedly swinging her infant daughter by the ankles. 
Kind of like Michael Jackson? Kind of like Michael Jackson. <laughs> like with Blanket, yeah. Yes. Although they de- they demonized Michael for that, but Blanket seems to be doing great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he didn't drop him off a balcony. Yes, sure. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Positive. No one was like, oh, he brought him back in. Everyone's like, he hung his child out the window. He didn't drop him. Uh-huh. And for Michael, not the strongest guy on earth. <laughs> it's true. So, he, he had baby thank- lifting strength. <laughs> yeah, but thank also- God. Blanket is only just fine because Blanket has not directly killed anyone yet, which I think is still in the works. We'll find no. out. But well, apparently this not only it started with one documentary said that it watched she took the pram, the kid in the pram, and went out on the street and started serpentine racing it down the middle of the street and swinging it back and forth and then picking the kid up out of it. It's going like, here's a baby, here's a baby, here's a baby. (laughs) Until finally somebody put her in a fucking padded room because she had just took over a town square. Yeah. Wow. But she was very soon let out after putting Ah. in that padded room. They gave her antidepressants and a ride home. Okay. And, of course, it didn't do jack shit for her mental state, so Mm. the second break came pretty soon after. This time, she took the baby down to the train tracks and left the baby on the tracks, knowing the next coal train was due any minute. Jeez. Well, you got to take the baby away. Well, luckily, old Ted was down there. Oh, thank God for old Ted. (laughs) Yes. Foraging for nuts and berries. <laughs> well, I don't know why they have they have restaurants, but Name's that old is Ted. Fun. I watch the tracks every day, and I looked down on the tracks one day, and I said, "That's a funny looking apple. I have to take it." Was a screaming. I guess I'll take it down to my fire for roasting. And then someone explained to me, "It's a baby." Oh, well, and I was a hero that day, and all I asked for is that baby's weight worth an apples, so I can roast him on my fire. Mm. All right, we got a hero in the story. Yeah, old Ted found the baby right before the coal train came, uh, and he. They said they saw old Ted like walking up a hill, like looking kind of confused, like. Whose baby is this? Yeah, found like, a baby yeah, here. Found a baby. Meanwhile, Catherine had found an axe. Oh my God. <laughs> and she was stalking up and down the street, screaming that she was going to kill them all. And people, they were hiding inside their houses. They had all their curtains closed. They were ducking down, hoping that Catherine wouldn't come for them. Okay, but this, th- is, how, this is how you properly get 10% off at Macy's. As in, if you get one of those axes and start swinging it around in a circle, someone's going to eventually come and bring you what it is you're asking for. But now this is a this is a twenty year old woman, right? Yeah, Maybe 20, 21, 20, 21. 22, something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Early twenties. How, how is everyone like? Where's the adult? Where is the person <laughs> well, being like Catherine? Put the put put the axe down. I, I remember there was a one quote from uh, the constable who said he saw like Catherine walking down the street with the axe, and uh, what, all he said was like, "Crocky, there she goes." <laughs> Come on, do something. It was, but you remember again, right? This is kind of all like weirdly in good fun. They're used to seeing the Knight family pop off. Like watching her come out and do this thing. It was kind of just hard baked into their world mm-hmm. where the, you, people just kind of need to let off steam every once in a while. Every small town has a family like this. Oh, Trust right. me. Yeah. Every so we had we had at least two of them uh, where they were just these these families that for some reason like good people for the most part. Sure. But. They just pop off. Well, there's they, always they, that... te- they tend to be a little violent. They mm. tend to just not necessarily have their shit together, even though they got hearts of gold. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But except, you know, but there's all also sometimes that one member of the family who is a uh, just straight up 
dangerous psychopath for whatever reason. Well, and oftentimes they have hearts of gold because they huff a lot of spray paint that may or may not be gold. You really want a heart of blood and valves. Um, but nonetheless, that, that's fine. They're always that one family where it's like, it's only when he's drinking. And he's like, well, he drinks at 10 a.m. and doesn't stop until 4 a.m. So it's all the time. He's learned the formula of how to be at ease all the time. <laughs> okay. Well, eventually Catherine Knight was arrested again mm. and was locked up in the mental ward again and was let loose again okay and then she had another breakdown and this time she came damn close to wiping out an entire family and here's why i have very little to no sympathy for Catherine knight someone like eileen wernos for example she didn't have a chance to get help with her mental problems mm -hmm. at no point did eileen wernos have any chance whatsoever Catherine knight had three chances within the span of about two months okay you know she was a obviously a very ill person and she could have turned her life around had she taken an iota of responsibility for herself and her obviously dangerous behavior but she never even tried and a lot of people suffered for it hmm well did she have fun with it were the knives talking to her was no. she friends with the axe was it a good time was she enjoying her life i think she lived a life i believe she lived a life of high stress yeah. Um, broken apart by moments of drunken fun. Like they did have one thing that said eventually, uh, we'll, we'll find out that, I mean, David went back to her after all this, like he again, and he kept going back. And there was one time that uh, they all remember the one real happy memory they have of her was that David threw her surprise 21st birthday party. And she was just like, I feel like a princess. Because Aww. no one's ever done this for me before. And she was like, they were like, he was just kissing him and stuff. But this was after she sent him to the emergency room by cracking his skull open. Sure. So it has this other, this dark back yeah. to it where it's a bunch of people walking on eggshells around this one person which is how a narcissist this this type of person keeps control over everyone right. by being basically holding them hostage yeah I mean, i'm really surprised he had the courage to throw her a surprise party <laughs> doesn't seem like someone i would like to see shocked or like uh unaware of what's about to happen she could have just killed everyone <laughs> and then maybe you then that would have been the best birthday of her life yes so after Kath was released the second time, she decided it was time to make the whole town pay for her misfortunes. Uh -oh. See, Catherine thought that she didn't really have to worry about Dave Kellett leaving. And that's what precipitated this entire thing, was Dave Kellett leaving her. The reason why she thought that was because Dave Kellett's truck had broken down. Oh. She's like, well, if he goes anywhere, he's just going to go somewhere in Aberdeen. But his truck got fixed, so he went to Queensland. And that is because it was fixed by Hoppy, huh. the town's one-legged mechanic. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you're just lucky I got two hands. Or I would be the town's one-legged, one-handed mechanic. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm not very good on it because, honestly, I just wish that somebody, anybody, would let me quit being a mechanic. <laughs> I guess that's... So they call him Hoppy because he has one leg. He has they're one funny leg. people. Yes, they're funny, yes. They, they've got a, the, the Australians are <laughs> quite the humorous folk. All right. And the thing is, is that, okay, Hoppy had fixed the truck. Okay. But the town had produced the girl that David had run away with. So they were on the hook for everything. Ah, I see. Yes. All the town's fault that David had left. So it was the town that was going to pay. Uh -oh. God. Catherine had been staying at her parents' house since her last stint at the hospital. So she left early one morning with her infant daughter in tow and went back to her place to gather some things. Okay. 
after gathering up a check, a knife with a big curved blade, Ooh. a pair of scissors, Ooh. and some bandages, Catherine went down the street to the house of a teenager she worked with at the slaughterhouse named Margaret Macbeth. Margaret's mother opened the door, and Kath told her, my baby is sick, and I need a ride to the doctor. Mm. So the mother gathered up all her kids, God. got in the car, and drove down to Catherine's. What a pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, it's so nice that they help, but it's yeah. just like, because you can imagine her showing up with a bundle that I can't imagine doesn't look like it's not filled with knives. Right. With the baby <laughs> on the hip, just being like, baby, sick, got go hospital. Yeah. And she's just mm. like, all right. Pim one, Pim two, knifey one, knifey two. It's a fa- it's a town name, and have to get them all into the van. They found her on the corner of her house, dressed in her standard purple top and jeans combo. She had the baby carriage sitting next to her. Now Marge and her mother got out to help, but when Catherine saw the mother had brought all the kids along, she got a little agitated. She hmm. reportedly stared at them and said, "There's too fucking many of you." I'll have to get rid of some of ya. And that's when she reached into the baby carriage where the baby was sleeping and pulled out her gigantic curved slaughter knife. Uh-oh. Fuck, dude. It's like the penguin. <laughs> yeah, that's not a child's toy. I'm just gonna say that. And she went after Marge first, who managed to scramble up to the porch. She only got a cut on the cheek. She- Catherine then showed them the scissors and the bandages and told them she was gonna slice them all up and bandage them all back together. Don't let anybody say I didn't do nothing for you because I do it. I'll stab you and I'll fix it. I'll do the whole day thing. So can you know how scary that would be? Because that's like the type of like unhinged mania where she went to set up the bit. She did a prop <laughs> comedy bit in the middle of trying to kill the family. Right. Yeah. yeah. So she's chasing this family around like the Nihilist and the Big Lebowski, <laughs> flapping the scissors together. For some reason, the scissors terrify me more than the knife. Yeah. Because I think the knife is a clean uh, cut, at least scissors. It's like dull and uh, just the snapping sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing they noticed is that the whole time they were on the porch, Catherine was up there looking for something. Where's it? Where's it? How scary this fucking shit is. Yeah. And it turned out the night before, Catherine's father had gone over there and taken the gun that Catherine usually kept out front. Had he not done that, it's almost a certainty that Catherine Knight would have killed at least two people that day, Jeez. if not the entire family. So her father just went over there and was just like, just going to take this. Yeah. Just please, just walk away slowly. Yeah, he did the Seth MacFarlane getting off the plane on 9-11. <laughs> yes. Bad feeling. Bad feeling. Okay. But still, the knife was enough to hold him hostage. So she demanded they drive her to Queensland to find David Kellett. Mm. Think about this. She's got her own baby with her. She is with this woman and all of her kids. She's got a fucking curved blade to her throat. And she's like, we're going to go find my husband right now. And I was like, that's a difficult hostage situation, number one, because kids don't make good hostages (laughs) because they're not disciplined yet. But the mother was quick with an idea. She told Kath that they needed to stop off at the servo for a bit of petrol. Very good. Thank you. (laughs) Which Kath was totally down with because then she'd be able to cash the check that she'd brought. So she's going to run errands? This is how insane she is. And then she used the hostage situation to also (laughs) run errands. Okay. (laughs) Once they got there, though, the whole family managed to escape Catherine and locked themselves up in the office of the servo. And this only made Catherine angrier. Okay. 
because after that, she used her unbelievable strength to rip a metal blade off a tractor-hitched mower. It's fucking, it's fucking insane, dude. She wrapped because she needed something stronger to hack through the door with. Yeah. She's just hacking at this door with the whole family inside, all crying. She's still got her baby. Yeah. Because oh my the, God. she's got the pram going back and forth in her left hand. She's been like, shh, sleep now. It's Tommy a nippy. Tommy a beefy nippy. Get out of here, you fucking hooks. Get out of here, you fucking peeps. Let me see your blood. Let me see your grime. Then... She spotted Hoppy. Oh. Well, just a simple hoping day. I hope no one comes and takes the stick. Thankfully, she dropped the blade and didn't hurt Hoppy. Really? But she did steal his crutch. Because because the crutch had more leverage. And she used the crutch to smash up everything everything she could see. And eventually, she got in the office. Oh my god, dude. We have Winnie the Pooh. He's he's one of the pigs, and now that's definitely the Eeyore. (laughs) Okay, I guess I'll just go back home. I'll just lie here, then. (laughs) Okay. I guess I don't need to be fixing cars all day. Not like I got a job. All right. Poor Hoppy. Yeah, I know, man. She yeah. And then when she got inside the office, she grabbed one of the kids, held a knife up to his throat. Jeez. And then finally, the police showed up and convinced her to free the boy. But after they, she freed the boy, they came at her with brooms, like hurting her, trying to keep her in arms. What is she? Why are you know she's swiping at these brooms? Is this a real story? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> and then finally she just ran out of gas she just collapsed she got tired she got tired like her rage just ran out okay and she, god dude so then she laid down next to yeah. hoppy and they had a fun conversation <laughs> yeah she collapsed to the floor and again taken to the mental hospital oh my nobody god. helped me up at all don't worry about it old hoppy and take care of himself then. <laughs> all right don't worry about it don't hand me a stick don't give me a bit of help and hand. Just let me stay in this ditch. Great. I'll use my hands then. Great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and that's all. You know, just mental hospital. No, no, and no real treatment either. She like, kidnapped a family. I mean, but that's the thing. Those were hey, her only Kissel. true breakdowns. No, I know yeah. that. I know aside what Kissel from the whole, Aside from the whole skinning and butchering her common law husband thing, but. Right. No, I understand that. I know it's the 70s. I know it's Australia. Little backwoods, perhaps. Small town. She still kidnapped a family. Yeah. I would think they would put her behind bars a little bit. This is her getting it out of her system. <laughs> right? Getting out of... Well, yeah, I mean, the system bl- definitely shares some blame on this. I would think so. As well. I mean, like, at no point did the doctors in the various mental hospitals she visited diagnose her with anything. I mean, this whole what thing. What did they it's, say? It's like, like the Catherine Knight story. It's like Richard Chase in slow motion. I see. Yes. Because Richard Chase, he went through the same shit, right? Again, Richard Chase was just mental illness fucking run amok. Right. And they they don't really know what to do because, I mean, the, the, oh, what can you do all the time? It's like you have to... I don't know the legalities of permanently putting somebody in a mental asylum. I think that it gets to a point there's really only so long they can hold you. I think they take you, you, and unless you're being charged with the crime, which would require Margaret and all them to, I guess, to charge you with the crime and seek out, like, an AVO, which we'll find out about later. The police can charge you with the kidnapping of a family. Well, kidnapping of a family, assault with a deadly weapon, uh, destruction of property. Stealing a crutch? (laughs) Yeah, dude. But that's, that's actually <laughs> that's a common Good pastime Lord. in rural Australia. <laughs> oh right. So, in other words, like Catherine Knight, like this is a failure on a lot of levels. Meanwhile, David Kellett 
had heard about the whole thing. Yeah, and of dude. course, <sighs> since Catherine had conditioned him to do so, he blamed himself. And so he decided... Let's give the whole thing another go. Why he goes God. back to her. Because Great. think about this. All right, honestly. He got his new girlfriend knocked up in Queensland. And he just boogered out. Like, he was just out well, of town. He said she, it wasn't working out. Yeah, yes. As opposed sure. to the previous relationship that was working out great. But he, like... All like he left for a day. It was like that where he was like living this kind of idyllic life, quote unquote, with his new girlfriend, which was now pregnant. Well, I don't think it was idyllic; it was a huge mess. But then he, someone's like, "You guy, you ain't, uh, David. You know that Keith like went off the ranch, right?" And he's like, "Love that woman. <laughs> got to be that Keith. She's got a couple of kangaroos loose in the upper paddock." He's understanding. Wow. <laughs> Just, that is you're doing what I did with the Scientology episodes, where you're fully starting to absorb the slang, and you will eventually become actually Australian. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, actually re- I'm really looking forward to going to Australia. Someday. Unlike Me what too. happened with the Scientology episode, he's not losing his soul, <laughs> which is what happened. You lost a piece that <laughs> those episodes. I obviously didn't need it. <laughs> All right. Well, even though both David and Kath were saying, let's give this thing another go, Kath's family blamed Kellett for the whole thing. Oh, my God. And didn't want her anywhere near David Kellett. Uh, because in their eyes, it was never really Catherine's fault either. Because that's the other thing about Catherine and I is that she was enabled by her family I her see. entire fucking life. Okay. Nothing was ever her fault. They always came back. It's like, poor Kathy. Yes, Kathy's got problems. Uh, but Kathy would constantly lie to them mm. about everything. She would lie to her children about everything and so they were only getting half of the story okay they weren't getting the half of the story where she was fracturing her partner's skulls with frying pans right so david went to pick Catherine up at her parents house and he was waiting outside in his truck when barbara Catherine's mother walked outside to give him what for what the hell are you doing here trying to pick up my daughter yikes so like, i'm the tiny groom <laughs> you know me. So she reached into the window. Barbara did. Catherine's mother reached into the window and wrapped her hands around David's throat, started choking him. And David just sat there taking it, but Catherine wasn't going to let her mother do that to her man. So Catherine walked outside, grabbed her mother by the shoulder, spun her around, and just fucking one punched her in the head. And her mother went straight to the fucking dirt and Fuck did yeah, not dude. get up. Wow. Well, this is wow. the the most romantic moment so far in the relationship. <laughs> I'm the only one that will strangle my husband and try to kill him. Leave him alone. Yeah, David, just like, oh. <laughs> and she was very, I think like they were used to this. There's a lot of stuff where it's like, I don't wonder what she told them about their relationship. I also wonder what she just told them and then they weren't, they were just like, hey, got that bastard. Like every single time she's like, yeah, and then I almost bashed his brains out with a frying pan. And mom's just like, you truly are my daughter. <laughs> right. Could be. Could be. So after that, Catherine, David, and their daughter drove away and moved to Queensland, far away from oh. Catherine's family. And Catherine managed to continue her beloved job as a slaughterhouse professional. Okay. And it was in Queensland that Catherine really started to fall in love with her knives. Ooh. She had her very own special set that she used for work, and she would take the knives with her everywhere she went. She'd leave them under the seat of her car. Okay. And when she got home, she'd hang the knives from hooks she'd installed above her and her husband's bed Uh. where they'd hang while the couple slept. This 
ended up being a bad idea. Yeah. Well, it's definitely very Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina <laughs> Jolie. But she loved her equipment. She loved. She was a real artist. Mm-hmm. But then she really it was kind of creepy over the bed there. If she put him in the garage, I would say that's okay. That's totally fine. Yeah. Well, one night, David woke up to Catherine sitting on his chest with the tip of one of her razor-sharp knives stuck into his neck right next to the jugular. Uh Uh-oh. And she just sat there calmly taunting him, just saying she could kill him at any second. Yikes. Uh, Eventually, she relented and went to sleep. But amazingly, in the end, as it actually usually goes with relationships like this, she left him. Him. She woke up with him? him. (laughs) What? Yeah, he'd been working as a trucker, and while he was out on a run, she just moved out. And when Kellett figured out what happened, he went out and celebrated by getting pissed as a fart. As the Australians say. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty wild. <laughs> it is nonsensical, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Catherine spent the next eight years single after Kellett, roaming from town to town, working in what in whatever slaughterhouse would take her. Okay. Eventually, she ended up right back where she started at the Australian Meat Cutting and Freezing Company in Aberdeen. All right. And all of Aberdeen was like, yay. <laughs> Welcome back. And on this stint, she'd meet Dave Saunders, a.k.a. Sondo. Ooh. Sondo was, like all of them were, pretty impressed by Catherine's rooting skills, because after all, Sondo was what the Australians call a real pants man. <laughs> okay, so it's like he's a good John Hamm. It's yeah, one of those a, where he has, to get, he has to get the pants let out for his penis to fit. Right. No, they just call, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, penis size. It's uh-huh. just, that's real pants man over there. Pants. Or oh, as, the, as they would say, pants mean. I pants see. mean. So, so he's a real a, pants mean. Because I would say myself, <laughs> I'm more of a shorts boy. Yeah. Which is, like, I'm still horny as a pants man, but I'm more fun. And I'll go to more amusement parks. Yeah. Right, right. So I always th- so a pants man isn't like Bob Dole in his later years, <laughs> where his pants are just up to his nipples, so he doesn't no. have to wear a shirt. No, no, no. Pa- pants man. That's a that's man that knows how to. Uh, I guess pants man is kind of the uh, equivalent to root rat. Okay, you got a root rat mm. and you got a pants man. Match made in hell. Perfect. <laughs> Now, eventually, Dave moved in with Catherine and the kids, and everything was going just fine, until Catherine's mother suddenly died. Uh Uh-oh. After that, all bets were once again off for Catherine Knight, and the violence and abuse began anew. The whole thing came... And it is awful. I hate this so much. Okay. The whole thing came to a head one night while they were in the middle of a blue... As that's what the Australians call domestic arguments. Okay. Yeah. I think it could just be fights in general, but it works well. I like the middle of a blue. That's a really fun, yeah, yeah. A fun they, term. We've been, we've been blueing all night. Blueing. Oh, I, was up, yeah. I was up, I was up <laughs> yeah. late blueing with my Sheila. But now that doesn't yeah. mean anything Me and my sexual. Sheila were blueing all night long. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, no, no. In the middle of a blue. Oh, right. And in the middle of this fight, Catherine grabbed a knife and ran out back. Hmm. Sondo, he let her go. Let it be with her friends. Yeah. <laughs> Until he remembered that his beloved dingo puppy was out back as well. Oh. And when he walked out back, he saw Catherine was covered in blood holding his dog. Oh. And she'd cut its throat for no reason. Oh, come other on. Other than yeah. anger. I don't like this woman one bit. <laughs> well, she <laughs> did say, horrible. and also in her uh, first police interview, after like they asked her about it, they were like, well, do you have any history with violent outbursts? She's like, I'll kill my husband's dog. And they're like, yeah, but I mean, like how, like, 
It's terrible. Did you like torture it? They were asking. She was like, it was a clean cut. Well, the answer then is a simple yes. Uh, You do have violent outbursts, but her whole job is a violent outburst. So I'm sure I mean, she not was necessarily. Fr- it's just a job. It's like I, I do believe it. what you said in the beginning. It's like that you said that she. It's true. People work in the slaughterhouse. It's like we we eat meat. It's good for people to be professional. Make sure the animals don't suffer as much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Do all this shit. Make sure that we get we get the meat that we crave. But uh, with her, you were saying she weaponized it. Yeah. Mm. So after Sando saw this. He got scared shitless that she was coming after him next. So he ran to a friend's house. And that's when Catherine grabbed her shotgun, went to her sister's house where her kids were staying, and told them all that she'd shot Dave to death. (laughs) Then after she had to admit, it's like, ah, just kidding. That's a joke. Yeah, okay, we'll get to No, 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 no. I just slit his dog's throat. Have you thought about being a comedian like <laughs> Kuklinski? Because you guys are freaking hilarious. What yeah. a good to Gracie and Allen that would have been. <laughs> then, of course, after that came the predictable half-hearted suicide attempt, uh, which sent Dave right back into her arms. And she does, she does this shit over and over again where she gets in trouble, and so she figures the only way she's going to go get out of it is to take a bunch of pills. Right. Uh, Which is then, also how she makes it about herself again. Yes. What she did is cause all this fucking mayhem, and then she goes and she does a, like a quote-unquote stab at committing suicide, and all of that is to bring it back to have sympathy for me. I yeah. see. Okay. All right. After that, Catherine decided that she didn't want to work anymore. She's done working. She's done working. So in order to get workman's comp, she spent weeks leading up to the uh, examination. She spent weeks lifting like super heavy dressers with her back. So when they went to examine her, they'd say like, oh, okay, yeah, she's got a terrible back. Yeah, give her workman's comp for the rest of her fucking life. Dude, this is definitely a 25-year-old Ben Kissel move. I can (laughs) see you back in the day doing it being like, see, this way I'm not lying when they come to to investigate (laughs) the crime. Well, uh, yes. So she's basically now training like Magnus for Magnuson uh-huh. or Bill Samuelson. Yeah. Those are the two uh, strongest men that I know. There you go. So she's just getting stronger every day. Yeah, she's getting Carl stronger Pantrin. every day. Yeah. Mm. But, and that's the thing about Sando. Is it like Sando, he had the bad luck to have a child with this woman. Like she eventually. So what are we on now? How many kids? Three. She's on three, three kids. kids. She, had, she had two kids with Dave Kellett uh, and one kid with uh, Sando so far. I think she ended up having four altogether, Jeez. right? Uh, but yeah, but Sando, that's the thing. It's, it's not like Sando didn't try to leave. He absolutely did. Right. It's just that Catherine, every time he left, she would stalk him mm. until she found him, and then she would draft. Well, what she would always do uh, is they said that Catherine uh, was very good at apologizing on her knees. Oh, okay. Because uh, she would always use sex as a way to entrap these oh, men once more. Oh, that was a euphemism. That was a euphemism, yes. I didn't know that. I thought that that actually was her getting down on one knee saying, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That was... Uh, no, that she was, just suck your dick. She no. just suck your dick. Yeah, By yeah. The way, it, it, it was just because that's what they all said like all of them like because they all like even just reading or like watching the interviews when they think about sex with Catherine they had this fucking twinkle in their eye they loved it I guess like it was the most fantastic experience that a man could possibly uh, experience now Henry I gotta ask when you proposed to Natalie is that what you did you got done on one knee and said I'm sorry (laughs) and then she said yes no that's the wedding day (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to see it 
Well, Sando, I mean, he was beaten by Catherine so much that, like, the dickheads that he worked with, these, like, man's man's men, like, they'd take bets on what kind of injury he'd show up with the next day. And the worst of those being when uh, she stabbed him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. And he still went to work? Yeah. And then, finally, Sando escaped in the middle of the night. Again! Again! And then Catherine... They're scared to death of these people. OJ did the same shit. She was a a formidable force she'd show up and she'd consume your whole life and if she couldn't have you no one could have you yeah uh and that's the thing is that Catherine went out looking for him again because she knew eventually she'd find him there were only two bars in aberdeen there was a top pub and bottom pub uh, <laughs> oh no but this time she ended up finding a man that she liked a little better oh that man was john chillingworth and we'll get to know him john price and Catherine's Mengele-like capacity for blood Oof. on the conclusion of Catherine Knight. Catherine Knight. Good okay, Lord. what an interesting character. Yeah. I yeah, don't think dude. we've covered anyone quite like her. We have Usually these serial killers or sociopaths like Ed Gein or something are a little quiet, a little reckless. She's, just, she's well known. Yeah. She's she's yeah. almost a a folk hero, I would assume, to some degree. In no, that area. she's not not a folk. Not, I mean, like anti folk hero. She, I would I would say I mean she's a uh, a boogeyman of sorts, uh, but a boogeyman for adults because all of these people that uh, when they uh, when Ka- they heard that Catherine Knight did what she did, uh, even her own daughter uh, when they told her the details of what mm-hmm. Catherine Knight had done, the only thing her daughter said was, "Did she?" Like it was like what? <laughs> yes she did what? like well it was such a casual type of thing where right. like people were like oh yeah she finally killed him huh and then when they told him how she killed him that's when everyone was like cool blimey like also one of the really only ways that we've covered a like I mean to be honest where she is committing crimes of a sexual nature that are she's obviously getting sexual pleasure out of it which we don't see a lot in uh, female based crime mm-hmm. where she is very she gets a lot out of what she does interesting alright well Catherine Knight part 2 coming up we kind of know the conclusion I guess yeah we know the conclusion but I'm excited but to see how we got there yeah yeah uh, you gotta how see we get there. you gotta see exactly how we get there it's Woo. uh and exactly how she pulls it off we've got some uh, pretty uh extensive um Pretty extensive forensics that we're going to use to put together this entire crime scene. It's going to be pretty brutal. All right. Stay tuned for next week. One of the most haunting things about uh, this crime as well is that when you just look at the forensic evidence, it plays itself out. Like watching the play-by-play of the the police footage going through the hall and shit. It's like you can really visualize it, which we'll see how much horror was involved. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, cool. So let's see. What do we got to do here? We're going to be at Bumbershoot next weekend. Bumbershoot. So come on out to that. I know some people are like, the ticket prices. We don't make the ticket prices I'm on sorry, that. That's a festival. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a festival. But there's just some cool bands there. I mean, it might be worth it. I don't really know music. I, I know the Fleet Foxes are there, and I want to see them. I know Blondie. Oh, yes, of course I know Blondie. I, I know Blondie, and I have heard of Young Thug. Yes, I have. No, I know who Young Thug yeah. is, of course. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm I, kind of at a loss. All right. Otherwise, we'll be there. <laughs> so that should be a lot of fun. We have to thank everyone for Patreon. We had a very fun interview this week. Who did we talk to this week, Henry? 
Uh, Eric Brock. Eric that, Brock. That uh, wrote the book Double Lives, and it's a very interesting book that you should check it out. Honestly, it's about the people that you hate at the office, or maybe yep. even like at the office. Could be. Um, they're doing fucked up stuff at home. Yes, he yeah. was a great interview. Double Lives, very fun, crazy book. And if you guys want to hear that interview and dozens others, go uh, and give uh, five bucks or more to our Patreon at patreon.com slash lastpodcastontheleft, and we thank you. And appreciate each and every one of you yes, who already give. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We had a great time in Phoenix. We had a wonderful time in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. Thank you all so much for coming out to those shows. Beautiful. Phoenix was a really fun town. It man. was. Yeah, I loved it. In Santa Ana, we didn't get too much time there, but yeah. we had a nice time. We went to a. We stayed at the hotel, and the, the this hotel had a bar that was raging. Yeah. So we had a pretty nice time that night. And Henry Zabrowski took a picture on his Instagram at Doctor Fantasty, where he uh, he dropped a full bottle of makeup. Mark, yes, and we did. weren't even drunk. We weren't even partying. <laughs> nope. But yeah. that was the most amount of rock and roll that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a it was a very fun night. There was a high school reunion and an Indian wedding there. Oh, yeah. it was and then we the were just time. sandwiched in between. Yeah, it was. Wonderful. Um, I guess you could follow us on in social media if that's what you're gonna do with your life. Um, follow everything at LP on the left for mm-hmm. us. Yes, Ben Kissel one for Instagram if you want to see pictures of Puffin. Oh, I'm at Marcus Parks if, on Instagram if you want to see pictures of Georgie. Georgie. Hey, Georgie, we all float down here. <laughs> I'm a Georgie. Georgie, I can see you doing that. I do it all the time. <laughs> to the puppy. I did it today. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Magustalations. You can hail me if you're feeling it. I'm feeling it. Cool. Very good.